Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So when you see people that are always negative about things and angry... It's a spiritual problem that usually comes for some kind of an unforgiveness where they have held something against a person, God, whatever. So what is the real reason David isn't asking God to forgive him? Pride. Same problem we had. He's too proud to admit. And of course, as it goes on, it gets easier or harder. I already gave you the answer. Gets what? It gets harder. Has anyone ever done you wrong and refused to admit it? I'm not talking about a simple misunderstanding. I mean something that any objective observer would agree was bad and wrong. Have you noticed that as time went on, they became more unsettled and angry with not just you, but lots of other people? Well, as Pastor Mark will be teaching, King David became that way after his affair with Bathsheba. He will be illustrating the personal toll that unforgiveness takes on the whole person and how that setting things right with God will make all the difference in your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 11, as he continues with his series called The Life of David. David is so proud of himself, lots of close calls, but notice in verse 27, that isn't the end of the verse. Do you see verse 27? At the time the morning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. I got away with it. Again, I got away with it. But notice the last part of verse 27. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Please write this down. No cover-up fools God. Aren't we foolish? Because we think the same thing. We think we can get away with it because maybe our motive isn't right. But nobody will know. No, David had forgotten about the all-knowing eyes of the Lord. Of course, he's written about it, but he forgets about it in his own life. That which is done in secret eventually will be out in the open. We see that the secret soon comes out. And you see as we move through here, the fact is here we are 3,000 years later studying David's cover-up that wasn't a cover-up. It's challenging to us. Luke 12, 2 says this, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden 
that will not be known. David writes this in Psalm 90. You spread out your sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. So what's going to happen? We have just finished that chapter 11. Here's what we know. For the next 12 months, 365 days, 525,600 minutes, David refuses to admit his sin to God. Between chapter 11 and chapter 12 is about one year period. That means that when David was going to write his psalms, when David was having personal devotions, quote, with God, there was a huge lack of integrity for those whole 12 months. In fact, the scripture says, if I have iniquity in my heart, God doesn't even hear me. And so it could be as David's just giving these praise and using his harp and singing to the Lord, it's just bouncing right back to him. For 12 months, David's fellowship with God is broken. For 12 months, David quenched, and you'll see this in one of his prayers, he quenched the Holy Spirit's comfort and conviction. Now, these 12 months are impacting for you and me because these 12 months, we've told you for many months now, three more important things in our life. God, people, and our time. 12 months wasted. No relationship with God. Nothing of any significance spiritually happening in his life. So his relationship with God is broken. His relationship with Bathsheba, who knows what that's like. His relationship when he sees his army come in and he knows he's had many of these people killed for one reason. His fighting men. His honorable men. Now, Psalm 51, homework for you if you want later. Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 Deal with David's confession and forgiveness. Let's just go to Psalm 32 just for a few verses. And this gives you a picture. It's a graphic picture, but it's a great warning to you and me. Because, again, the shorter the gap between sin and confession, the better it is for us and everybody else. Hard, yes, but it gets harder. In Psalm 32, notice what David writes. So the two Psalms you want to study in connection with this are Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Realistically, Psalm 51 comes before this. So this is as he's moving through and thinking about his forgiveness that he's now received from God. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. Remember, man's greatest need is forgiveness. That was David's greatest need. Look at verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Selah. So David talks about trying to hide or cover up his sin. And David reminds us about the misery of not confessing our sin. Of course, God had been working on him. So what did it do to David? We forget this next key a lot. David's sin affected him physically, emotionally, and spiritually. See, when we look at sin, we kind of just go, well, for sure it's going to affect me spiritually, but what do you mean it's going to affect me emotionally and physically? Well, you see what David says. That heavy weight of guilt drained David of his life, of his energy. He was depressed. There was a cloud over his head. He had no peace. He had no hope. Because he had no forgiveness. So it affected every bit of him. There was unforgiveness in his heart toward God. His peace was gone. His joy was gone. And people without hope and joy, they can't live. And so David's miserable. I would guess that probably, and we don't know this, but I know this from lots of years of counseling. I would guess that he became an angry man with a critical spirit. You see, anger usually comes from unconfessed sin somewhere back. Critical spirit goes right along with it. So when you see people that are always negative about things and angry, it's a spiritual problem that usually comes from some kind of an unforgiveness where they have held something against a person, God, whatever. So what is the real reason David isn't asking God? To forgive him? Pride. Same problem we had. He's too proud to admit. And of course, as it goes on, it gets easier or harder. I already gave you the answer. It gets what? It gets harder. You don't need me to tell you that. We've all been there. Now, Alan Redpath says this. This was a man who had walked and talked with God and had known the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. But as he resisted the pressure of the Spirit and fought against the confessions of sins, his bones wasted away. All the moisture of heaven lapsed into a drought. Everything was dry and barren in his soul. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? His life just shrunk up. He's the king. He should have everything going for him. One reason, he wouldn't admit. He wouldn't humble himself. Now, where was God in all this? This is a year. Where was God? I believe God was dealing with him many times during that year. But see, God will let us have a pity party forever. He'll just let us do it. He'll come, he'll come, he'll come again. But as we start chapter 12, we see the heart of God. And it's as if God is going after one lost sheep, David. Remember one time, Elijah, after a great battle, where does he go? 
up into a mountain. He's depressed, wants to kill himself. God just killed me. And God comes up and says, what are you doing up here, boy? Come on, come on, come on. And God came again to one man to bring him back to his senses. So look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. I love it. In your Bible, just circle this because it will remind you of the heart of God. The Lord. The Lord. God's intervening. The Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David. That's the heart of God. God says, long enough, I'm going to have to see if somehow David will come to his senses. So here again, we see the principle of accountability. Now, God could have gone to David himself and spoke to him. But he sends a man. He sends the prophet. He sends Nathan. Why? To remind us that we are not doing life alone. God puts people in our lives. You see, we interact with people all the time. Probably David withdrew from many people. Maybe even from Bathsheba the whole year. Maybe from the other wives. Just miserable. So God sends Nathan. Later, David's son Solomon would write this. Just listen to it. Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Two are better than one. That's a principle of accountability. So as you begin to think about this, God is going to use a person to bring a story so that King David can go, okay, okay, God uses a person to speak to me. God does that often. When we go over to Israel, we'll be in two places, Joppa and up there in Caesarea. And that's the great story, you remember, of the Roman centurion who prayed to God, Gentile, doesn't know anything about God. God speaks to him, and God gives a vision to Peter and Joppa and says, I want you to go to this guy Cornelius' house. See, God could have gone just there. God could have said, here, here's what you have to do, Cornelius. Here, let me tell you. Boom, 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 boom. What? He sends Peter. So see, God's going to send you, and God's going to send me. And so we're going to be able to go and minister to people's lives, encourage them, sometimes confront them lovingly. And sometimes, by the way, it turns around and comes back and bites us, doesn't it? Ever been humbled when somebody said to you, and you went, oh, you're right. Any hands out there? Oh, we're all just perfect people in this building. I know better. I know better. By the way, some of you are getting it tonight through me. Seriously, this is going to be your night where you're freed from it. There's nobody here by accident. So, next thing you want to write is this. You don't have to write this down, but I just want you to think about it. God designed us for companionship, not isolation. You were not designed to be alone. For intimacy, not loneliness. So, in the body of Christ, we're to be companions one to another. Of course, this really has an effect in a marriage. 
That's why God gave husbands a wife, so it wouldn't be lonely again. Another whole topic for another time. So we learn that there are many ways God speaks to a Christ follower. Certainly, we talked about how God speaks to us, how to listen to God. Primary way, always the word of God. But you're going to see that God also speaks to people, and people happens to be Nathan. And God's going to give Nathan. Now, don't think Nathan looked up and said, oh, I've got to go to the king. Let's see what I can find, what kind of a story I can come up with. No, God spoke to Nathan the story. He gave him this story. So look at verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food and drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler would come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And David burned with anger. Now, see, that anger would have been probably already there. He's just an angry man now. He burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, oh, does he live? Mm-hmm. The man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. David knows this from Scripture. But he forgets the bigger picture. So we see how easy it is to be convicted about other people's sins. David looks at this, and he's blinded to his own, but he's angry at this story. You remember this verse? We all remember it. Matthew 7, 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Mark, David, what a man he is. Well, we're all busted. Every man and woman in this room is busted tonight by this verse. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust, any woman that looks at a man with lust, has already committed adultery with her, with him, in their heart. We have to be careful. God looks on our heart. Of course, way different than committing the act because you involve another person. But it's the heart that God looks at. So David doesn't admit his sin at all. He's judgmental at somebody else. It looks horrible at somebody else. Verse 7. Notice the boldness here of Nathan. Now, Nathan's not talking to just anybody. He's talking to the king. Nathan said to David, you are this man. And he has to add this. Uh, By the way, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I would add that too, for sure. This isn't just me talking. This is God. God. So, Nathan can be bold. Why? Because God gave him the analogy. Somehow, 
God gave Nathan a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, the teaching of God's word to point this sin out. Now, watch what happens. In verse 7 and 8, and God did this for Nathan as well, it's kind of that look we talked about. It's God saying to David, David, look in your rearview mirror. Have I been a good God to you or not? Why did you do this? So look at verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, and I want you to look at, if you like to, you could always do it, circle the eyes, which is God. You are the man. This is what the Lord of God Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, God says. I, God, delivered you from the hand of Saul. I, God, gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I, God, gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I, God, would have given you even more. How big do you think David felt at that point? You just want to crawl away, don't you? Because you realize, I mean, God has been so good to me. Let's just stop for a moment. How good has God been to you and me tonight? God is so good. When you look at that rearview mirror, how many eyes are in our life from God? It's all over the place. So look at the next verse. I think it's exciting. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? We go back to the standard. We go back to the moral standard. We go back to that which is right. It's the word of God. It's that standard that's there. It's that plumb line that's there. David knew all these things are wrong. He'd broken these commandments. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Now, this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household... I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did this in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. As David begins to see this, somehow there's no more rationalization There's no more trying to justify his sin. Verse 13, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. There's no doubt in my mind, because I've been there, not like this, but just like you. He wished 364 days ago he'd have done just this. But he allowed the enemy to lie to him. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught about David's attempt to cover up his infidelity and his failures to do so, which led him to make a literally fatal decision. Pastor Mark warned you about the danger of going down the path sin leads you on, how you can end up in places you never thought you would land. 
You were reminded, though, that God's grace is always available. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude this portion of his teaching on the life of David. You'll hear about David's continued attempt to absolve himself of his sin with Bathsheba and what he did to try to cover it all up. Pastor Mark will talk about God finally stepping into the situation using his prophet Nathan. And you'll hear about the amazing restorative power of God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.